What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a visionary leader of extraordinary people and projects. He's insanely ambitious. Four years after graduating from college with his architecture degree, he founded his own company that he's been running for almost 22 years now. He's a global industry group champion in the Entrepreneurs Organization, which we'll talk about in a bit, and an advisory board member for the College of Architecture and Environmental Design at Kent State University. He's the founding visionary of K2M Design Incorporated, a full service design firm from architecture to interiors to engineering and all things in between, specializing predominantly in hospitality projects. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Maloney. Welcome, Scott. Thanks very much for having me here, Dan. Well, aside from all the other stuff that I just said in your intro, I also would like to say that you've really become a friend of mine over the, a good friend of mine over the past couple of years through this organization called the Entrepreneurs Organization. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but not just a friend, but also I would say like a mentor and a leader because I am, for those of you who don't know, the global champion for travel and hospitality within the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a 15,000 member strong global community for entrepreneurs. And it's a freaking amazing um, organization and it's helped me grow so much over the past 10 years that I've been in it. Um, but I, I, and I wanna dive into that stuff also, but like what you've built and as far as the community you've built um, within these industry groups has been really nothing short of transformational, I think for myself, but also like the organization and so many people at large. So I want to say thank you. Thanks for being my friend, Scott. Hey, man, it is an absolute pleasure and and vice versa for all of your, your energy and friendship over the last several years here as well. So um, truly, I, I've talked about you often and finally as one of the most connected people that I've ever met in my life. And I think it's absolutely uh, amazing that our paths cross the ways that it does. Yeah. Well, now you're making me blush. But a thing that I've learned from you, and maybe I maybe I did it organically and I learned it from, I would say I learned a lot of this from you, but it's like, we're all connected in our own way. We all have access to the universe through our own perspectives, right? Uh, and our own connections, kind of like a fractally designed org chart that connects the world, right? Um, but what I've learned from you is whatever our connections may be, how hard is it to share that with someone else? Like it's such a low barrier to really impact someone and shorten someone else's journey, if you will. So thank you. And and again, EO really taught me about that too, because it's all about leaving impact. So before we get into all that stuff, we'll start off with like the big question. Um, what does hospitality mean to you? It's truly about people and place coming together to create this just an amazing um, or an epic experience. I have the opportunity to travel all around the world. And, you know, when those two things are together, that I feel um, in my bones that just the passion around hospitality more and more every mm. day. And then I love how you shared the word epic. So dive into what epic means to you and let's use that as our as our springboard into the conversation to me epic is 
it's the opportunity for those two things, for people in place really to... Um, you know, as I say, come together and create, just enable me to have this amazing experience to, you know, cater to whatever needs that I may be having, um, to be able to support whatever dreams and desires I have, you know, for the place to be able to unveil itself. Now, as an architect, I photograph everything. <laughs> that I see. And so all of these places that I've been to over the years, I love being able to photograph it. And I love being able to see that, you know, how it changes over the course of an entire day because the quality of light and the character of the space changes, you know, from daytime to, to nighttime. And really when you bring people, you know, being able to provide that level of service and that place being able to provide this, that sense, you know, really engage your senses. I think that's to me is that's, that's the cat's meow. And I love how also you put people first in that people in place, because to me, it's all about the people and that energy and connection between them all. And place is really, it's like, that's the setting, right? And it can really turn up the volume, pour gasoline, make things more memorable. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a carburetor for experience, if you will. Um, but one of the things that strikes me about you, and I, and I have envy of you, Scott, <laughs> is... Like as an architect and working on God knows how many projects in the hospitality world and ju not just architect, but design, engineering, everything, um, you've really built an amazing organization for your company. And so much of that is the people because I've never I very rarely, if ever, hear you say the word I. It's really all about your team and integration and how much you've invested in that over the past 22 years. So for th this could be a really great transition into entrepreneurs organization but what did being an entrepreneur like we don't have a rule book mm -mm. so what did eo like how would you describe eo to people who don't know about it and how did it help you because it helps me it's helped me tremendously on my own journey but how did it help you build this organization that you've built and really attract all those people certainly so how do I define entrepreneurs organization i think it is um, an amazing community of of founding business owners. So people that have that entrepreneurial spirit that are willing to take risks and they come together in one global place so that you don't feel like you're on an island trying to figure it all out by yourself. But then you, you come together in this global place and you, you share your experiences. Um, you don't tell people what to do, but you say, here's what's happened to me in that situation. If you have an experience share and you get to learn from each other, you get to give each other needs and you give each other leads and you um, have a place that's extremely safe uh, to be able to talk about, you know, we call that the 5%, right? Things that are very personal to you, things that are um, involved in your professional life and really kind of captures your, your full 360 degrees of so community, family, um, personal, and then of course, professional. And so, I think the, se the second half of your question is what did it do for me? And I will tell you this, um, you know, I had two business mentors of mine that says the day you meet that $1 million requirement in terms of the size of the business that you have, um, you have to join EO um, and it's going to change your life. And I remember the conversation that I had um, one night after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame benefit and Bob Boykin, who at that time was a YPOer. Um, sits me down and says, you know, you're going to get a call at eight o'clock in the morning, um, tomorrow morning. And you're going to, this guy, Mike is going to call you. And the only thing you're going to say is where do I send the check? 
and I'm going to change your life for you. And I think that is a 100% true statement that that absolutely has um, substantially impacted me um, in my life. And I think what it has brought to me is the ability of my eyes to be open, um, especially when you talk about people um, and from a cultural perspective and, and that business culture. Uh, and, you know, how just to be able to learn about that across the organization and always be a student of it. EO has, that's one of its the greatest gifts that it's given me um, is the ability to be that student and learn culturally and be able to make those types of impacts with my team. Because as you said, you know, K2M is not um, Scott Maloney. Um, and it is, it's far greater than that. And there's a, another 100 K2Mers um, that are out there that really are the ones that are, you know, make this place as special as it really is. Mm. Well, as you were talking, I feel like what really resonated with me is this, this idea of people. And I think we, we become better with our interpersonal skills, I think, as we're able to look inward and reduce our blind spots and we all have blind spots. Um, and for me, my experience is EO has helped me really reduce a lot of blind spots. I still have them, um, but I learned that through other people's experiences and the people who are willing to be in this global community and to, and to be vulnerable in a safe, confidential space. It only helped me uncover more about myself. And I feel like, you know, they, they said that greatest journey that anyone can go on is the six inches between your ears, right? And it and it it really just opened a path for me in there that's been a journey. And I'm here I am 48 years old. I still feel like I'm learning things. As a global place and a global community, um, when I was gonna when I was moving out to Asia with my family for a few months to open up some supply chain opportunities, um, I joined an Asia Bridge Forum, which is just a group of other people within Asia. And it was amazing because Asia is vast. There are so many freaking people, but it became so much smaller because I got to meet these people and everyone just wants to fall all over themselves to shorten my journey or your journey or anyone. It's really like, oh, you're looking for this. What is your need? Let me connect you there. So for me, it just made the world a much smaller place. And just really like as a as a lifelong student and always someone who's really curious, it helped me learn to shut my mouth and listen to others. I know I'm talking a lot now, which is the irony, but I get very excited when I talk about it because in many ways, the way that we're speaking right here and the communities that we've built within our industry groups, um, it's all about listening and giving a forum for others, which really helped me launch this podcast. It's like gotten legs because people are really interested because I'm sharing my curiosity with anyone who'll listen. It couldn't have said it better. You know, it really does. Um, uh, the entrepreneurs organization really does make the wall, the world smaller. You know, they talk about, you know, six degrees of separation, you know, the old Kevin Bacon um, analogies, but uh, man, when you are connected on a global basis across a very, um, you know, dynamic um, organization, it, it is, it's tiny. And, you know, the people that you cross paths with and the folks you engage with because of trust and respect and, you know, our core values are, are just phenomenal. Even if you've never met them before, just that instant connection. 
I also say like when you start your entrepreneurial journey within EO, especially there's all this like business porn you got to read, right? From, from the e-myth to scaling up to traction, to map, to like, you name it. There's like an alphabet soup of books. But I think the other thing is what it, what it helped me do is focus not so much on what the, what I was doing, but the why and the why is such, so values driven and to, and to go through an exercise with other entrepreneurs to really explore what your values are and company values are it's a a lot most people don't ever go through that work and it's it's amazing so turning the camera back on you from when you started your company 22 23 years ago how long after you started your company did you join eo so it would have been five almost five years four years 11 months Mm -hmm. so let's go back to like when you first hung the shingle out to like all the struggles that you were having, or maybe you weren't, you were just perfect right out the gate, but you joined EO. And then like, what were some of the mo- the biggest breakthroughs that you had as an entrepreneur and leader? Wow. So um, if you think about it this way, I started 9101. So on 912, I was calling from my cell phone to my desk phone to make sure we still had, like they, they still worked because everything was dead silent right after 911, right? And, you know, fortunately for us, we had the opportunity to be able to grow um, over those next few, you know, few years. But the first things right out of the gate, um, I had just um, bought a company in July of 2006. It was my, my first true acquisition. And it was the same month that I joined EO. And I had one person in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm like, I'm going to go visit Charlotte, North Carolina and see what it's going to be like doing business there. And I met 10 EO members in Charlotte, three of which are still very close friends of mine um, and could talk to, stay at their house. They would be able to do exactly the same thing with me. Just very, very strong connections. And they really helped me understand how to do business in Charlotte, North Carolina, and to be able to grow um, a nice book there. And the other was at that same time, they're like, hey, come over to the Duke Mansion. There's this guy. His name is uh, Jack Daly. Um, And it was like, whoa. I mean, this is now for those who have seen Jack Daly and, and heard him speak over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, you'll get what I mean. But the first time now, this is like I am brand new, like I'm baby bathwater. <laughs> Welcome to EO. I'm already outside of the chapter and bam, Jack Daly is there. I don't think I slept for three days. I mean, I was like jacked up. I had I bought the CDs. I mean, I was listening, just absorbing like a giant sponge, everything I possibly could. And I think about three weeks later, um, after that session, um, Simon Sinek, um, before Simon was, you know, this global phenomenon, um, came to Cleveland and talked about why and talked about his triangle and um, all of his very early work. And I was hooked. I mean, I loved culture and I loved the aspect um, around people, but those two just took me on a on a space coaster ride and showed me how narrow my view was and then just opened it up and it became a lifelong journey that I'm on still to this day. It's interesting. Like Jack, for those of you who don't know, Jack Daly is like a sales management coach, guru, whatever, but it's about, he starts with this story about how he got success running a paper route as a kid Mm -hmm. and then how he figured out how to grow his paper routing friends and really bring the best out of others and show them that they had all these 
gifts that they may not have known that they had and tapping into that and coming up with the idea that activity yields results. So how do we do that? How do we, but one of the things that really strikes me about Jack, I'd love to have him on here. There's so many things, but I love the simplicity of his roles and responsibilities. He's like, I forget exactly what they were, but he's like, I do three things. Maybe it's four. I speak, I do something, I do something, and I do something. I don't remember what they were. We'll have them on to clarify. Do you remember? I don't. This is interesting. Okay. But I, but I love it. He's like, anything outside of that, his like zone of genius or whatever you would call, like he had a team that would help do right. that. This is like, so he's in his highest and best use. Um, so I love that. I actually saw him speak at some EO things, but I just, I went to that MIT uh, entrepreneurial master's program and he like lit up my yeah. brain. Um, and I actually just got back. I went to a reunion last week up out in Boston. So again, I'm kind of floating on, I don't know, just experience and knowledge that I gained from that being in a room with a hundred other entrepreneurs. Um, but it's, it's, it's really amazing. This gift that they've given us. And then I also feel like I get to share a lot of that through the podcast and through talking to other people to kind of help plant a seed for others. Um, I want to go back to your start where, so as you were saying that it really resonates with me because I started my first company as an adult on August 26th, 2001, mm-hmm. selling furniture to hotels. Um, you did September 1st. So like really for me, two or three weeks later, September 11th happened. I didn't have kids. It was just me. I think my wife was my fiance at the time. Um, but it was also as terrible as it was for our industry, it was a really a great time to start because everyone kind of had time. Everything just stopped yeah. as we tried to figure it out. And then we could fly around on all these jets, like jumbo jets that were basically private jets because no one was flying and really build great relationships. How is your experience fear at first and then turning that into a positive starting on September 1st, 2001? Well, I think one of the... Th- one of the greatest things that we had at the time was, um, you know, it was a hundred percent risk. Right. And, you know, it, I was able to rely upon myself, um, to make sure that I, I took the steps that were necessary in order to be able to build the business. And I didn't know anything, I mean, nothing about business. Right. Um, but very quickly I learned, um, accounting, finance, QuickBooks, you know, I was the best janitor, um, at a whopping age of 27. I could clean, I could ceiling, like paint, you know, replace ceiling tiles as we hired people and grew out office spaces. I mean, it was fantastic. The jack of all trades, draft by night, sell by day. And really what it was is because things were as slow as they were, right. I had the opportunity to get connected to people that could say yes to me. Right at that time, and my business partner, gentleman, his name was Harry Kegler. So Harry was the gray hair, so it's just like me today, right? As we were joking about earlier, um, and this very, very young um, man of 27 years old. But it was this, you know, this energy um, with experience was our selling point, right? And every day we would have a different way of being able to pitch somebody based upon what we learned the day before. And so we were always constantly improving and constantly sort of pivoting. You know, that beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur and being able to move really swiftly, right? Especially as a small, lean business that we were. And and be able to pivot and move to the way where there was an opportunity. And that's we did that super effectively. 
Wow. As you were talking about that, I had the image of like this young energy and then older experience with your partner um, of like a resistor. Remember that? You studied those in physics class. Like you have input, but then the resistor would tamp it down. So like, I feel like that's what the experience gives us. And again, EO for me and just dealing with all these entrepreneurs, it I think one of the first times in a public setting, it showed me that it's okay to be vulnerable on certain things because we're not going to learn if we don't share what are those 5% highs, but also like the 5% lows. Um, and I've been through many highs and some really bad lows, but I just feel like this community was always there to support me, not so much, not financially at all, but just like from experience. And, you know, it's like when I'm in the darkest of dark places, uh, like I, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I just, I would hear these things and it didn't make sense when it was happening. When it's like, Dan, what are you worried about? You got this taken care of. Like, you're going to figure this out. And I'm like, that does not make sense to me now, but it's a seed that plants. And then, you know, you get a couple months beyond, you're like, oh, really? Any idea that we can take, if we can marshal our focus on it, we can turn into something. And I think that's really what this has shown me and being, and being surrounded by so many incredible entrepreneurs. But, you know, you can't do it without people. Without a doubt. So on your journey, so you hung up the shingle on the, the 1st of September 2001. What were your first projects that you worked on and types of clients? And then, like, how has it grown over the past 20 two years and kind of where do you see yourself now in the in the world of hospitality for us coming out of the gate uh, we were architects that had um, public project experience and so I mean it was it was all government work and being able to move from the government side into the private side of the world you know we started out with multifamily housing and we were converting at that time it was very um, it was cool because you were converting historic buildings that tax credits um, or the easements had worn off and you were transitioning them to condominiums, you know, as a way for people to be able to exit out of those buildings and, you know, get their second bite at the apple, so to speak. And so we helped convert these apartments to condos. And every time we touched a condo, whether that was, here's the paint you should use to replace these kitchen cabinets they sold. And every time they sold, we got another condo that we ended up doing and it became dozens of them. And our, our client, which was our first client, Landmark Management, brought us over to one of their commercial properties and said, hey, can you help us here? And an investor in that commercial business then gave us an opportunity to do fitness centers. And just one thing after the other, it was do good work, got additional work, and then somebody heard about us, and it was just the reputation building. you know. And it was, you know, at that time, I mean, virtually 100% repeat business and referral rate. And, you know, we were really heavily sort of on that commercial side. And what brought us into, uh, into the hospitality front was we were working, um, I had expanded into Florida, um, particularly into the Florida Keys. And I had learned of a, a, a property owner that was going to convert their property from this hotel into 56 housing units. And they happened to be here in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I did a cold call on them, had a friend of mine through ULI and one of my teammates who were in ULI um, get together and they introduced, introduced me. And this was right after a series of hurricanes in the 2005 timeframe that hit the East Coast. I think Francis, Charlie, some one of those two names um, around that timeframe. And 
uh, this company, uh, Boykin Lodging Reap. Um, so Bob Boykin, the gentleman I mentioned in the very beginning, um, and Rich Conti. And Rich was actually from my hometown, um, a little bit of generation apart, but um, a great mentor to me. And we're sitting there having a conversation, and he asked me a question. He's like, so my architect tells me that I can only do concrete block on the outside of this 15-story tall building. We don't believe that's true you know, in this wind area. And I said, oh, it's not true whatsoever. You could do you know, metal studs. you just got to be able to design the building in order to be able to resist the wind. And all of a sudden, you just hear this, bop! You know, Rich pops up, and it's like it was like a game-changing thing. Like, I just made them a million dollars by saying that one thing. And then the following week, they made me that million dollars back because they hired us to do um, two hotels and then that one property that we originally went in, uh, Marathon, the following year. Relationship went so well, that's how I got my start in hospitality. And I met um, Paula Boykin, and we got to learn about hotel interiors and a little bit about the management side of things and then acquired um, their interior design company. Um, as my first acquisition that I talked about for the person in Charlotte and everybody else in Cleveland. And it really, that everything just um, uh, just continued to grow from there. And, you know, we, we were doing a lot of resort work um, down in the Florida Keys. We were then doing a lot of larger hosp- uh, full-service properties um, in Florida. Um, but, you know, the, the natural disaster of the 2005-2006 time frame was the catalyst for our hospitality growth. And it's been yeah. on a nice upward trajectory um, ever since. It's amazing when you think about, you know, there's September 11th, natural disasters, like as terrible as m- many of these crises are, you know, with the right outlook, they can always turn into opportunities and uh, opportunities to not just improve kind of what, what we may have going on in life, but also to impact others who are impacted. Of course by those experiences. And that's that's actually as an entrepreneur like to um I get so much feedback whether it's the podcast or you know reinventing myself after like some business nose right. <laughs> It's uh people are always like wow, I didn't like damn that's so cool like you just you bounce back. You're you're there and I and I guess I in a way I take it for granted, but again it's like you can look at something as a glass half right. full or a glass half empty. And again it's it's how do you get those ideas and strategically lay them out so that you can plot a course. Um, so after that cold call to the person you met or were introduced to it uh, or recommended to at ULI, um, it resonated with me because again, going back to where I just was at um, EMP reunion, um, there was a guy, a mentalist, you know those sure. magicians and mentalists? His name's Wayne Hoffman. I think he's on, on TV or whatever, but he, uh, he had this really cool thing. He's like, you know what? Put a thing in your calendar a week, two weeks out. And I want you to make it your mission that day to collect five no's. Hmm. And, you know, you think you think about no, getting a no from someone. There's like a little bit of a fear and like, oh, a bruised ego. And it probably goes back, as he was saying, to when you were an infant. And your parents would say, no, don't do that. No. So it's like a bad. But really what he did, and it helped me change my thinking a bit, was... No is really just a piece of information that helps you adjust and figure out your path. So he he did this exercise where he's like, he's like, who who lives around here? Okay, where's this? What's a restaurant you like going to? So he picked up, he called the restaurant and he's like, hey, I'm in a room with a hundred people right now. Um, So-and-so is recommending that you're great. Um, And 
we're just talking about it right now. Do you think that he and one other person could come in for a free meal for marketing? And they're like, we'll talk to the manager about that. But that sounds like a reasonable idea. And it wasn't a no. But even if it was a no, it's like, okay, it's not bad, but like go out there and put yourself out exactly. there. How did, how did EO and your business experience teach you to collect no's? Wow. <laughs> uh, it, it brings me back to thinking about some of those very, very early days, right? And, you know, within, within business life um, as entrepreneurs, but more just as the business grows, um, you know, there are, there are plateaus that we hit, um, you know, as your business develops. And so you might be used to doing projects that are $10,000 and under, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I have a lot of these, let's try and do a $50,000 project, right? Well, in order to get that first $50,000 project, you're probably going to have people tell you no, um, 10 to 15 times because you don't understand what it takes to do a $50,000 project and you have to get mm -hmm. smarter about it. And this is something that I learned through Entrepreneurs Organization as we continue to evolve our business from that 10 to the 50 to the 100 to the 500 to being able to do our you know seven-figure based um, projects. It takes a you you have to continue to climb that that ladder. And what you did at 10 won't work at 50, won't work at 100, you know, from 50. And so you're constantly evolving. And Entrepreneurs Organization puts you around people that understand what that evolution is because we're all kind of growing um, in our business and you're able to help each other out. Kind of talk through what, what it takes in order to be able to get to that next level. Uh, it's interesting because I spend a the majority of my time doing custom case goods and seating for rooms, right? And you figure there's only so many different ways to design a guest room and so many different materials and so many different um, factories and and just ways to execute it. But what I've learned throughout my career and now with Berman Falk as we do this is whatever's gotten us to however successful we are right now, it's not gonna get us to where we're going because everything is always evolving. Even in a 400 square foot space, you're still learning new things and still surprised by so many things and always developing processes around those surprises so that you reduce the the possibility of those surprises happening again. They still happen, but it's always a constant evolution. And I feel like in a way, it's almost like having a startup mentality. What do you think about that? You know, it, it's, if you keep your mind open to the possibilities, um, that is just like having a startup mentality because when you're a startup, I mean, you are, your world is open. Like you said, I mean, you're reading all of these amazing business books, right? And you're just, you're just trying to take everything in and you're, you're willing to do almost anything. Right. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we designed um, a person's outdoor barbecue deck. So that's where his uh, daughter was going to get married. I never designed a deck in my life. I didn't even own a house. I didn't even know what a deck was, you know, but we're, <laughs> you know, you do it, but it's, you're open to, you know, any possibility you can get your hand on. And the same thing happened to us when we were in the hotel business, right? You know, as we were, as we were trying to get those first jobs. So not the, you know, you know, start out like, hi, I'm Scott Maloney. I'd love to do your $70 million hotel renovation project. You know, they're like, what's your experience? Well, I don't have any, you know, so you, you, you listen and you find out when those opportunities are. It's like, well, I'll let you replace the doorknobs in my $70 million project. You're like, I'll take it. 
uh, because you're open yeah. to the opportunity. You're going to learn about the doorknobs and you're going to figure out what the uh, the peepholes are like. And so you can be able to do the two of those things next time. And then you're going to figure out the door locks. And it's, as you go, you're just going to grow these opportunities. And like you said, you're always going to be evolving, right? Mm. And totally. that's really what I think, you know, it's a great thing about the entrepreneurial mindset is, is you you maintain a little bit of that flexibility. Uh, mm. And you are... You, you you're able to make those adaptations where folks that, that may not be willing to take a risk that may not have that entrepreneurial sense like well why do we need to change mm. right and the answer is because if we don't it's going to go the opposite direction a hundred percent um and also just people's sensibilities all the inputs all the peoples all the players everything is always changing generationally um from Outlook, current events, everything is always changing. I'm curious though, you know, when you started back in 01 doing multifamily and government, government and multifamily, and then also the fitness centers, and then you got your big break after that cold call into hospitality, what's keeping you there and what do you love about it? And that might be the same answer. What I love about it is, and and this is particularly focused around um, existing properties. Mm-hmm. And really understanding what that existing property is, and working with the customer, um, and, and d- discussing how a reposition is going to happen, what could happen in order to elevate um, that property um, to the next category, right? To be competitive within a marketplace, to be the better product that people select because of the things that we do. And those very initial conversations, being able to sit there, say if you're the hotel owner and I'm just, you know, being Scott Maloney at the time and walking around and having that discussions of what this could be, right? And going through that visioning process to the day the building is finished, the design is, you know, or the day that the the design is implemented um, and going, wow. I remember, I have goosebumps every time that happens to me that I walk into a property that our team has done and it's, we've been through that experience together and to see how it, it, it comes to fruition and how it's realized to me is, is that's why I do um, what I do and why I travel as much as I do to see other places um, and really be able to bring that collective experience back of people and place and you know what it can mean you know, for whatever we're working on at the time. Yeah, and I think it's also um, a testament where we spoke earlier about looking inward and finding values and creating a culture around values. But then it's also, aside from looking inward at where we are and how we got to where we are and like what those common threads are, it's also going through the visioning exercise. I love how you put that because, you know, it's really like, how do you get so specific to what things look like in one year, three years, 10 years, 20 years. And then once you have like a target, and that's what EO also taught me, it's like you have a vision of where you want to go, then um, you can make the course to get there. Um, so if as you look at your projects now, like what's something that you, like what's a project now that you're learning something new on and that, that that's satisfying that need where you've gone through the vision and like, Maybe there was something you hadn't experienced and now you're like, you're pushing forward with it. So one of the things that we are um, exploring right now is a, I'll call it a true greenfield development, um, that there are, there's no infrastructure 
that exists um, around this marina um, project. And it's a very large project, many hundreds of acres, has three different hotel complexes on it. Um, so um, really catered towards, um, you know, very high net worth people, um, yacht club, I mean, casinos, the whole entertainment retail. So it has, you know, you're building a basic city here. And I think one of the things that's, that's extraordinarily interesting about that is, and this is where my business brain goes, is like logistically, how are we going to do this? Because there's nothing there other than, you know, mm-hmm. trees, dirt, rocks, grass, you know, and so it's, it's, you really get the opportunity to think through, okay, you know, once I dig that hole, where does it go? Because <laughs> you can't just put it on a truck and take it away with you, right? And so it really makes you think every step of what you're going through and what's the impact on the next step. And mm-hmm. that's, that's quite curious. We don't have that um, always as architects, engineers, and designers um, to, you can't literally take one step without having an impact on the next one. And I think that's, that's fantastic and the sustainability aspect of it, because again, there's nothing there. So there's not like a gas pipeline, you electric, you know, utility center, fresh water. I mean, you have, you're creating everything that's there. And so it, um, it, it makes you think entirely different, um, about sustainability, you know, not mm. just sort of let's make something simple, um, you know, low VOCs are made within 500 miles of a project site or something along those lines. You, you know, like you have to take it all the way from the start to the finish line on this because every single thing has to be sustainably thought through. Yeah, and it's interesting how um, constraints, whether by sustainability or location or people or brand, it's these constraints that really make the magic come Without to life. Without a doubt. And that's, I think it's going to make this, it's, it's a one of a kind property. You know, we're absolutely blessed to be able to be working on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a a five to seven year transformation and it'll be super impactful to our team and our, our business as a whole. Can you share, is it okay to share any details about where or what? So I, um, I am happy to do that. It is, uh, it is called Habakoa. Um, I'm sure habacoa.com um, is the email address, but I'll, I'll make sure we put that out there into the world. Mm-hmm. And it is um, in South Abaco. Oh. In the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. And that's hard to get, like, just getting anything to there is really hard. It's it's <laughs> all going to come from, yeah. it's, 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 you know, that logistics um, piece is, is, is um, is ridiculously critical because everything we do comes on a boat or has to go away on it, right? Yeah. Unless it stays in place. So, wow, that's amazing. Um, okay, so then now looking at your entrepreneurial journey and all the benefits and eye-opening experiences and shared experiences that got you from 2001 to where we are today in 2023, and as you're like looking out into the future and visioning, what's What's exciting you most about what you see out there? There's so many great things that are happening. Um, I, I think the what's really great about what's going on in our organization, um, I'll, I'll take them in, in no particular order. I think we've got a very um, strong leadership team in place that has um, really have are are very accountable. Um, to to the organization as a whole and to each other. And I believe that to be really important. We also understand completely 
one day um, I may have a great day and the next person may have that down day. So just like you talked about the highs and the lows, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we realize as an organization we're all together as one. And so the concept behind one K2M, so no matter what department, division, you know, is happening, we're all there um, for the betterment of each other. And, you know, it's only one organization. It's not different pieces and parts. And I think that's a that's an incredible thing. The project opportunities that we have, Dan, are extraordinary. And so, you know, as I talked about that moving from 10 to 50 to 100 to 500 to a million, you know, we're now sitting here having the conversations of, you know, let's do five of these million ones, but are we ready to take the swing at the $10 million one? Right. Mm-hmm. And being able to sit there and look out and go, okay, what does the $10 million competition look like? And I'll let you know, folks, if you're in that $10 million competition, we're coming for you. But the, <laughs> um, it's, it's gauntlet. Right? It's, it's really about being able to, um, the, the exciting part is about elevating the game and learning about what it takes in order to go from that one to that 10, um, type of number. Mm. One of the great things that's happening right now in the hospitality work is, um, you know, it, it, it was a little slow coming out of the gate in Q1, but in Q2 and what we see in Q3, it's really accelerating. And so we've had lots of opportunities with new clients, um, you know, that are getting into these full service properties. Um, but our boutique work has really come um, and is doing amazing stuff right now. And so our work mm. down in the Florida Keys is, is, is taking those properties and elevating them. Uh, to the next level and really making a, a you know, game-changing difference. Um, and we're, we're blessed um, to be working on the absolute best um, of the best down there right now. And you're spending more and more time down there too, which is exciting as well. We'll be able to be able to continue to do that, but we've got projects in Miami Beach now. We've got projects up the coastline. I mean, it really is being able to work on this wide collection of work um, mm. that gives everybody, even from, you know, from the intern to, you know, the executive, just a really, a little bit of a lift and a joy of working on some really cool stuff. And that's exciting. Yeah. And whether that's in our aviation practice, our commercial practice, multifamily, hotel, government work, it's, it's happening in every place. And we continue to refine mm. what we do and what we do best, you know, like Jack Daly's four things. I mean, I'm, I can, I, I get that perfectly fine. And we just continue to get better and better at what we do that we are best at. And we seek that out. As you were talking about going from one to 10, like a 1 million to 10 million. I think that um, being around all these entrepreneurs, it helps me think of that 10 X idea, whether how do you reduce expenses by 10 X? How do you increase profitability? How do you increase market share? And that 10 number is really incredible i think because when you talk we were talking about constraints earlier and i love that exercise of hey we're doing this we've been doing this this way that got us to where we are here but what if we want to do it 10 times faster oh it's not possible it's just it's impossible and you're like okay i hear you but pretend you have unlimited budget unlimited people like what would you do and then someone's like oh well then i would steal a whole bunch of gold bars from Fort Knox and blah, 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 blah. But then they would, they would figure out like what it is and it might not be possible, but at least you're visioning and painting that picture to what the 10 X improvement is. And I I think a lot, I have a lot to thank to uh, like, what was his name? Barrett Esarek with that X factor, like thinking about the 10 X 
And it kind of puts you in a box that you have to figure out a puzzle. And that entrepreneurship is really like just solving challenges and puzzles and all the time. And I love it. I I just always want to find a better way to do something. Without a doubt. That's the beauty. Like Kaizen principles, you get better and better at something as you continue to use it, experience it, figure out how to make it better. Repeat. Totally. Uh, all right. And now refresh me. Where did you go to college Kent again? Kent State University in Ohio. Okay. That's what I thought. So you did go to Kent State and now you're on a bo- on an advisory board yeah. there? So what is your, uh, like, what's your interaction of like impacting students? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, what do you get from that? And would you have done that had you not joined EO? Interesting. So from the perspective of the advisory board, really what it is, is a group of professionals saying, here's what we're experiencing, um, out -hmm. in the world today. And here's how students could be more prepared, um, to, you know, come into that workplace. And that's, that's one thing to be able to do. We also get to sit there and look in the exact reverse and go, what's happening in the, in the, the, uh, you know, in the university world? Um, then what things are they doing that we should be doing um, in our own businesses? Because they're typically five steps ahead of what a normal business would be doing because they're very experimental in that period of time. So mm. they're trying a lot of new technologies and things that are out there. Um, and so it's giving us the, you know, the ability to be able to look sort of inward and outward um, and work to see what's happening with the profession. And, you know, I'm a extraordinarily firm believer in volunteerism. It's something that my mother um, instilled upon me since I was a little child. Um, always, always have done it and will do it for the rest of my life. And it's about giving back. So this is the opportunity to be able to share my experience. Um, and be able to to receive a little bit um, in return, but it's just I feel it's my duty, um, and any of ours in the profession to be able to give back. That's why we have interns. That's why we grow people. That's why we we have you know amazing talent because they're able to learn from our experiences. They learn from our mistakes. You know all the goods and the bads, um, and we learn from right? theirs. And it's it's a an absolutely fantastic thing. So EO, I don't mm. know if has has done that for me, but what it what. EO has done is given me an outlet um, to be that volunteer, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, you know, like you and I are both member leaders. Um, we're both volunteers. I've been voluntold a lot of things to do. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've asked a lot of people to do things over the years, and but it, it's a place where I really can be able to um, have a global reach and um, with my time and my energy and, and intelligence, and I get 10x yeah. back from that almost every time. Yeah, and then Kent State, I'm like, I want to go listen to Neil Young after this. What is that? Tin Soldiers and Nixon's Right, little Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young at the time. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, Actually, funny fun fact, Richard Nixon lived, like, within a mile of where I grew up, and I remember going trick-or-treating in his house. (laughs) And he, he would, like, he would answer the door, and he would give us, like, a little gold or like brass pen with his signature on it. I don't know where any of those are. <laughs> but wow. There's a memory. Thank you for uh, <laughs> I just went yeah, I just went back to my 8-year-old self right there. Yeah. You wonder where that 40-year-old pen has gone. Mhm. I'm sure. Yeah, I had a couple of them. I think I took them apart and I turned them into like weapons for my GI Joe figures. Absolutely. You know, like bazookas and things. Um awesome. Well, Scott, this has just been totally fantastic 
and thank you for sharing. Thank you for being a mentor. Thank you for, uh, what did you say, a member leader? Right. Absolutely. Thank you for, for all that you're giving, because I know you'll get it back 10x, uh, but that's not your intention. Right. Um, so if people wanted to learn more about you or K2M, what do they do? How do they find Certainly. you? Certainly. Uh, K2Mdesign.com is a real simple way to be able to go. Um, our website's real basic, people and projects. It's how we run our business. We know we take the best possible care of our people. They'll take the best possible care of our projects. So click either one of those. You can learn about what we do and who we are. And why you do it. Well, we learned about why you do Correct. what you do today. So yeah. just listen, re-listen to this. It's again. all right there. Um, uh, oh, wait. And then I had one other question for you before we wrap. The Scott I'm talking to now, hello, uh, you magically appear in front of your Kent State, Kent State version of yourself from 30 years wow. ago. What advice do you have for yourself? I'm going to tell myself two things. You know what you need to do. Follow your gut because it's going to get you a long way. And equally so, when something appears to be too good to be true, it is. And it is okay to just say no and walk away. I love that. Mm -hmm. Wishful, wishful thinking can be a mind killer. It can. Things are never too good to be true. Well, maybe every once in a while, but it's a real, real, real once in a while. Only twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's too good to be true, just say no. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Unbelievable. Right? Uh, yeah. Wow. That's a good smile to end on. Well, I, hey, I want to say thank you. I know how busy you are and with all of your travel, and I'm just eternally grateful. Thank you so much for your time and caring and and uh, vulnerability. So thank you for thank it, you. For it's being an here. absolute pleasure, and um, I look forward to uh, seeing you again somewhere in the world soon. Yes, and again, I want to thank all of our listeners because without you, I still wouldn't be sitting here talking to all these great people. And we keep growing week after week, so it's totally humbling. I think last time I checked, oh my god, this is crazy. We were like the number five hundred arts design arts podcast in the world and like number 300 in the US and then I think we're like we're bouncing around between 20 something and 80 something for design in the United States on Apple Podcasts too. so that's like just so people are listening and the people who are listening want to listen so if this has changed your idea of hospitality or entrepreneurism or people or culture or values please pass it along because that's how we grow by word of mouth so thank you, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>